Welcome back, Test Cricket. And we were uh, treated to an absolute thriller in Campor during the week and discussions are heating up over the ashes. Uh, it's all happening and it's great to have Test Cricket back. Welcome to the Crick Blog podcast for another week. Shaba here from Crick Blog, drawn by my wonderful co-host Nash, based up in Darwin. Nash, how was your weekend, first of all? Yeah, the weekend was good on a personal front. It was a chill weekend, relaxed weekend, but from a, from, as, a, as an Indian fan, it was a bit disappointing, to be honest. Um, started off yes. really good when, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it more in the, in the episode, but overall it was good. I'm, I'm doing good as well. Really happy that Test Cricket is back, really Very looking good. forward to the Ashes. Very good, and New Zealand causing some more pain for yep. uh, for you India fans once again. We chat about that in the episode, but what I wanted to talk about first today was um, a couple of key things uh, in the Ashes. So it's been a big week in terms of Australian cricket. A new captain was named, uh, Pat Cummins. So you got your wish. Yep. How, how are you doing with that, Charvel? I'm, I'm, right. I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm all right because look, I, I made my point that um, you know. As well as I'm uh, the Ashes, I'm looking forward to you know the subcontinent towards next year. And um, when you're bowling uh, 10, 15 overs a day in unforgiving conditions uh, in Asia, that's not easy. And then you've got to captain the team above that. So how Cummins adjusts to that, I think, will be important. I think he said as well that he will allow Steve Smith to set the field at times too. So you know, I think having Steve Smith as the vice captain, I'm happy with that. You know. I've made it clear before that, you know, Steve Smith has done his time. He served a big punishment. Now let's move on. And I think it's the best thing for cricket uh, in Australia right now to have Steve Smith as um, oh, in the leadership. Yeah. And, and look, I think you're, you're bang on because to be honest, when I said Pat Cummins, I didn't mean any offense to Steve Smith or, you know, Steve Smith's fans because yes, Steve Smith has done his time and um, maybe he's, he's grown from, from four years back, he says he has learned a lot. So um, I think he deserved a chance as captain again. But right now, at, as it stands, I think Pat Cummins has done the hard yards for a few years now. And he has really, really earned this call up as, as the skipper. And, you know, to captain Australia in a national series, it, it's going to be massive. And the, why, uh, you know, I've seen so many... Uh, conspiracy theories on social media floating around is why they've picked Pat Cummins and Steve Smith together because why Steve Smith again in the leadership group and you know in the, in the leadership role I think Cricket Australia have gone with with a fail safe here um, because if anything happens to Pat Cummins you know God forbid if he gets injured during the Ashes which is a massive tour or even if he's rested exactly even if he has to be rested you know the, the vice captain is Steve Smith so obviously he takes over the captain's reins and that's, I think, the safest option there is because you, you couldn't make someone like Kawaja a vice captain. You couldn't make someone like Warner because Warner's time is done as, as a leader in the leadership group. You know, you, you don't have any, re, any real captaincy yeah. material in the squad, do you? That's true. And that's why I was thinking about Steve Smith at the time to, to be captain. But to have him there supporting Cummins, I think is very good too. So I think, um, you know, fine, you've made Pat Cummins' decision. Um, You've made the Pat Cummins' decision to have him as captain. Fair enough, uh, but having Steve Smith there, I think, is really good. And and because, look, I think yeah, just just wanted to point it out that you know in 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 few years' time, the the obvious choice would be either Travis Head or Manus. Um, both of them, you know, Manus from a from yeah. a cricketing point of view, he's 
brilliant, absolutely brilliant, brilliant. Really looking forward to him having a big summer here. But um, from a leadership point of view, he still has to grow a lot. He still has to show that maturity on the field. Yeah, agree. Um, but and you know, speaking about Travis Head, I think it, it's he he's been around international cricket for a while now. I think four problem years. Is, problem is, he's not settled in the Test team. Exactly. So when, exactly. when you do that. You, sort of create a little situation for yourself there that you have to pick him even though he hasn't nailed his position yet. That's always a risk. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. If he can nail down his position, he's definitely uh, an option for leadership uh, in the future because he's got those credentials about him and he's very highly rated in that area. He's got a lot of experience too. So just have to nail your spot in the team first. That's uh, yep. very important. Yeah. And, and Shabel, staying on this, I think I have a question for you from an Australian perspective. I think I saw this comments going on around social media from, especially from Shane Warne, um, <laughs> because he likes to stay relevant on social media. He said that... It's not only that. Warne is the, what do we say? He's the perfect example for moral behavior. So... <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay, moving, moving, moving on, moving on from there. Um, you know, when it, when it comes to cricket, I think we can all agree that Shane Warne has one of the best cricketing brains out there, at least on the oh, field. Oh, so, amazing. No, um, absolutely. So he, he, did, he did give his two cents worth that he doesn't understand David Warner's leadership ban. Um, he understands that everyone had varying amounts of punishments from the sandpaper gate that happened a few years ago in South Africa. So with Smith coming up as a leadership as a part of the leadership group and David Warner's lifetime ban from the leadership group. What, what do you make of that as a, as a, from an Australian perspective, what do you make of that? Do you think David Warner's input in the leadership group will, will be missed? Okay. He can still provide input in the team as a senior member of the side, um, just doesn't have the official title. I think it's just, yeah, how the events transpired in Cape Town, I think they've really sent down a harsh punishment on him because, you know, he was deemed to be the ringleader, the one who organised it, and Steve Smith just turned a blind eye apparently and all that. But, look, I think I think Warner's come a long way since too. Um, I know he's not people's favourite person in Australia, actually. Um, I find that he's more loved in India than he, he is, is in parts of Australia. He's massively loved in India. Um, than he is in, in Australia too. So... I just feel Steve Smith, you know, he's had that captaincy experience before. Um, pretty calm head on his shoulders. And I think, uh, what, he's young. He's, he's, he's a few years younger, isn't he, than, than David Warner. So yep. it's more of a long-term view as well that you can have Steve Smith there as the, in, that leadership, um, in that leadership department. But the important thing for Warner now, man, is to just to lead from the front with a bat. Yep. You know, there's question marks about him in terms of, you know, How's he going to perform against the England bowlers, particularly Stuart Broad? I am not too worried about that. It's completely different conditions here in Australia, the Kookaburra ball and things like that. So I think, you know, let Warner focus on that um, and, and we'll be sweet. Absolutely. And I think David Warner is bound to have a big summer. I think five tests coming up. Um, yeah. I really hope he goes big this time because this is the perfect time yes. to get in, get in form of course. For, that, for that subcontinental tours coming up. Yeah, for sure. Look, um, I still believe that, look, if Warner has a big Ashes series, it doesn't mean he'll have a big subcontinent um, 
campaign. I think. But at least he goes on there with some confidence. With confidence, you know, with absolutely. Runs. doesn't go in under pressure and all that stuff. 100% agree with you. Um, but, but Warner's overseas record is still going to be yeah. um, put in question. You know, there's Ashwin still playing, so yeah. Correct. So but to go in there with confidence and a good frame of mind um, and hopefully off the back of an Ashes series win on top of the World Cup where he played a key role, you can't go in into any better... Uh, sort of confidence than that. So, so I think Warner's crucial, man, because we can't rely too much on Smith and Manus like we did last summer. Um, we're going to need Warner there at the top setting the platform too. So big series for him. And I think, Shabel, you're right. I think having David Warner at the top and him having that full confidence going into the summer, I think that'll do a world of good for Marcus Harris, you know, at the other end, who is... Already, George Bailey has said yeah. that he will, he will open for Australia. Um, so that's, I think, Marcus Harris coming from a... He hasn't had a really great Sheffield Shield. He hasn't set the world on fire, but he has the runs. He has he has been in form, like, you know, 60-70% of the time. So um, yeah. he, he has done the hard yards for, for a few years in the domestic comp. And I think having those two at the top, one of them has to have a big ashes you know, one of them has to have a big summer for Manus and, you know, the, only then Manus and Steve Smith, the pressure will be off them for, for you know, for once in, in, in a long time. So, yeah. Um, and even number five, you know, we still don't know who will play, whether it will be Travis Head, whether it will be Usman Kawaja, we still, still don't know. So, and both of them are coming back from, you know, Travis Head hasn't had the runs. Usman Kawaja is coming back from a from after a long time, so it's just yeah. Travis Head scored a century in his last game. Um, yeah. So on that, I mean, it's it's very close statistically, and both have strong cases for that number five spot. I've always said I liked Usman Kawaja back in the side, but maybe Head versus Kawaja, like the uh, Kerry versus Inglis debate, Richardson versus Stark. You can understand both uh, sides of the argument on Head versus Kawaja. Um, I was saying today on another podcast um, that I think Kawaja's got the potential for higher scores than Head does. Head yep. can score big, but I feel that Head 30s and 40s can get out. Kawaja can go on and get that big score. Um, and if the series is close, then that might be very important in the final analysis. Yep. And um, I, think, I don't know if you feel the same way, if you've yeah. got an opinion on Exactly, because I think from a from a technical point of view, Usman Kawaja is more is more solid and is more compact than Travis Head is my personal personal opinion. Because if you see, you know, past two tours of India, you know, they exploited, you know, everyone, Bumrah, Shant Sharma, Siraj, they exploited Travis Head at that at that length ball and you know just nicked him off to second and yeah. third slip. So um and, and someone like Anderson and Stuart Broad and even Ben Stokes, they will exploit that pretty quickly. Um, he his feet go nowhere at times when the ball pitches on length, so that might be a trouble. That might get him into trouble. So I think Usman Kawaja is the best bet for the first couple of games, at least to go with. Um, and in the first game, is at is at the is at the Gabba. So that's that's Usman's um, home ground as well, where most of the time where he plays Sheffield Shield. So um, you know. I think it'll be perfect if they go with Usman for number five. Yeah, and I think as well, you look at Travis Head's first-class numbers the last uh, seven, eight years, a lot of averages in the 30s for a season on the early 40s. So 
you know, you look at Kawaja, who's had some seasons where he's, he's, he's averaged over 50, 60. Um, I think Travis has that kind of player where he can look good for a little while, but then he's always, you always feel his wicket is around the corner. So Australia feel confident that he can get past that, then by all means, he can be a good candidate there for number five, because I, as well, he's probably got a, uh, age on his side compared to Kawaja. Um, and also that that uh, possible leadership in the future as well. So it's a big series for the players like uh, Marcus Harris and Travis Head if he's picked. Um, yeah. That's going to be interesting to see which way Australia go there. One I can't split is the keeper. Yeah. Uh, Carey and Inglis. No one I, can split that at the moment. <laughs> yeah, I was saying as well today um, that... Whichever way the selectors go, I'm not going to be unhappy, if that makes sense. I'm like, you chose Kerry, fine. You chose Inglis, fine. I love Josh Inglis, personally. I think he's a, a real talent and so exciting to watch. Um, but I don't think either player will let the side down, despite the fact that Alex Kerry's got like five single-digit scores in a row in uh, Sheffield Shield, um, which I think hurts his case a little bit, potentially, but like Head, I think they've always looked at Alex Carey as the one for the future, even though Carey's 30. Yep. It's still pretty young for a keeper. You've still got a good few years ahead of you. This might be the chance to say, let's blood him in now. Um, but Inglis at number seven, that's that's dangerous as well. He's got so much ability down the order. So it's one that I say, look, there's an argument either way. Yep. And I think I'm, 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 in, your, I'm in the same boat as well, I think. Yeah. Whoever they pick, I'll think I'll I'll be I'll be happy because yeah. yes, if they pick Josh English, I'll be super happy. I, I really like him. I love his glove work as well. He's really technical behind the stump. So, um, and he I think he has been performing for a few years now. Same with Alex Carey, um, no doubt. But I think Josh English has just got gone ahead of Alex Carey in the last twelve months, eighteen months or so. Um, he's done the hard yards. He's he took the efforts and, you know, I think, I think this is the right time for Josh English to, to get, get that baggy green. Yeah, look, I think so too. I'd love to see English there. Um, Cause you know, if we're in trouble, he, he's the kind of player who can counter attack. Um, I don't care. He's capable of that as well, but, but English is that, that, that uh, I call him um, a pocket rocket kind of player, uh, short in stature, but, Packs yeah. a punch. Um, yeah. So, and you know, if Australia in a good position, he can really drive home that advantage as well. But as I said, either option, I don't think um, either Kerry or Inglis will let the team down. Um, one thing I will say, though, I, I just hope that Tim Payne gets the support he needs. I know, look, he did a stupid thing a few years ago, and um, but I think he doesn't seem as though he's in the best place right now. So he needs to get that support. Um, another debate is Mitchell Stark. I know Shane Warne has come out and uh, blasted Stark again. There's nothing new. It's not a summer of cricket without that happening, to be honest. <laughs> it's not a summer of cricket that's, without Warney having so a go true. at Starkey. That's so true. Um, but the, the play that they're looking at is Jai Richardson, and rightly so. He's having a superb season. He's a fantastic bowler. What's your view? Who do you think should start? Look, I think... Yes, I think Richardson has got the wickets in the season, but if it's not going to be Michael Neeser, then it has to be Mitchell Stark is my opinion at the moment, because next in line has to be Michael Neeser after if anyone from that trial of fast bowlers is coming out, 
the next one to slot in has to be Michael Nisa. We, I think uh, I may be biased, but I love his bowling. I love what He's he does. He's a fantastic with, bowler. He, yeah. uh, absolutely. I love what he does with the red ball. Um, he has earned the right to get that baggy green for a few years now. He hasn't got the chance. He should have got the chance last year itself in the summer. But again, he did not. They persisted with Stark in the in the final test as well, which which cost him dearly, well, yeah. dare I say so. Um, yeah. I think if anyone's coming out from that trio, again, I'll, I'll, you know, I'm repeating myself, but Michael Niza has to get a go at some stage. Yeah, yeah. I think throughout the series, there'll be a bit of rotation. Uh, Joe Richardson, Michael Nisa could get a chance. I'd love to see Nisa in there as well, but Richardson's such a good bowler, though. He's, he's got the pace. He can move the ball. He's skillful. I would start with Stark for the reason that he has a very good record in the early part of a series. So first, second test match of a series, Stark is very good. And you've got the Adelaide pink ball test, and we yep. all know what, what Stark is like in the pink ball. But again, as I said, there's a case for, for any option there. Uh, Absolutely. So we've got some very good depth in our fast bowling. Exactly, because Michael Nees is going down Ryan Harris's path, isn't he? Um, you know, Ryan Harris was someone who came on late in on the international scene and yeah there's a bit of similarities between them both exactly. I, I feel exactly. similar kind of bowlers they hit the deck hard and yeah. you know they're at you all day brilliant brilliant consistency I, I definitely wouldn't play stark by the way in all five tests i'd play him for the first two then give him a rest for the third potentially the fourth maybe the rest of the series depending yeah. on how he goes and how he's feeling of course but but yeah, given the, the history that you know we've seen with Stark, the longer you know he bowls in a series, the worse his figures get. The stats say that. And you've got players banging on the door, you know, Joe Richardson, Nisa, etc. Uh, Mitchell Stark is under pressure to keep his spot. Absolutely. And he's going to have to perform well in the first two Absolutely. games if he gets that chance yeah. um, to, to keep them at bay. But as an India fan, um, Nash will touch on... Um, the test match that just went by finished yesterday, cracking test match. Who says a draw is boring? This was um, hard in the mouth stuff, edge of the, the seat um, cricket. What did you make of um, India in that match? Well, it certainly wasn't boring at all. Mm. Um, you know, it was a well fought out draw from, from New Zealand's point of view. India, I think would be clearly disappointed with the way with the way they you know took things on the last day i think personally they missed some opportunities in you know in the second session especially when uh, ishan sharma and umesh yadav were given a nine over spell straight after lunch i think that uh, you know from the other end it was aksar patel bowling really well and from one end you have umesh yadav who mind you really bowled really well he got the ball to reverse but then why do you bring ishan sharma you know, just bring Ashwin on Jadeja. If if mm. from that from that point on, no fast bowler should have bowled, is my opinion. From that point on, after Umesh Yadav's six over spell was done, he bowled absolutely brilliantly. He asked a lot of questions from you know from someone like Kane Williamson. That that ball, I did not know how did how that ball did not hit top of off. Yeah. But for after that, I I still can't understand why Shan Sharma was brought on into the attack um just yeah. not the pitch for ishan is it exactly it wasn't the exactly. surface for him yeah exactly and and one argument could be that you know maybe ishan 
let's try Sean so that he can get reverse as well. But mm. I don't, I don't think that was the point. But you know, the, at that stage, it has, it had to be Ashwin or Jadeja from both. You know, from both ends, it had to be a spinner. Aksar from one end, Jadeja, Ashwin, just keep rotating the three and you know yeah. keep bowling at the stumps. Aksar did beautifully in the test. He bowled beautifully in the test, both mm-hmm. innings. I think he was attacking the stumps, and I think that's that's why he's got a lot of success. You know, on attacking the stumps, England, yeah, on attacking the stumps of the left hander. I'd actually argue that maybe that's what India could have done a bit better in that last day. Yeah, I think particularly to Rachin Ravindra. I thought they bowled a bit straight to him. When you when you bowl a little bit wider into the footmarks, you challenge both the inside and the outside edge because you've got he's thinking, crap, this is this is gonna turn sharply, and then yep. it doesn't. And then it's it got beats the, the outside edge, or yep. you can get the outside edge and get slip into play, or you can get that sharp turn that we saw on a couple of occasions yep. where you know the ball spat past the batsman and spat past the keeper. I don't think India did that enough, but that that's being a bit harsh but that's something they could have done a bit differently look i think you're absolutely right and when i said you know actually bowling at the stumps i did sorry i did mean to write to the right you know from that angle yeah. you know he that that action he, he yes. was just and his action yes. is such that it, it goes straight it go you know it spins it's really tough hard to, to play tell, tough so. to play yeah um but as, yeah, as, as Johnny Burst though in England know very well. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But uh, as he's oh sorry, I have to watch highlights <laughs> now of that of that series again. Um but but as you said, I think to the left handers, yes, it could have been a I just feel it, was, it was in the arc of look, Ravindra played amazing on debut, outstanding, but it was a lot in his arc that he can get straight down to the pitch too and smother. Yeah. You've got those footmarks outside off, and you've got the you know, I felt at times um Ravindra was actually a little bit uncomfortable with that line. He yeah. got beaten outside the outside yep. edge a couple of times. And then on the inside edge, there was you know the, the potential of the ball coming towards the stumps from that angle. So that's probably an area India will look at, I think. Um, but overall, um, I don't want to give, I don't want to take any credit away actually from New Zealand. I felt they were terrific in their fight because you lose a toss. I know the pitch was, was very slow and you had time to adjust. Um, but to lose a toss on that surface, but stay with India all game, you deserve a lot of credit. You know, I, I had a few uh, replies in um, on Twitter yesterday saying that, you know, um, oh, New Zealand scraped the draw against an India team that was depleted, no Rohit, no Virat. I said, how many times do we hear that India can put three to four very good international teams together? You had yep. a guy on debut, player of the match in the end, yep. a century and a half century. Just goes to show the depth in Indian cricket. They can put three or four teams together. Then you've got a few players missing, and then all of a sudden it's a bit of an excuse. I think you still had Ashwin, you still yeah. had Jadeja, you still had Aksha Patel. That's a fantastic trio. But and, New Zealand didn't stop, e- didn't even stop if, fighting. Even if right Rohit Sharma, yeah, absolutely. And even if Rohit Sharma and Virat Kohli would have played, those three spinners would have still played. So that argument, 100%. you know, that argument is. 100%. And India, India were in sense, a position. So. I don't think India didn't win the game because of their batting. Look, they collapsed a bit on the fourth day, and that sort of put them in their show a little bit. They could maybe accelerate the way they wanted to, but they set up the game with a good first inning score. Um, but they just couldn't quite finish the job off on the final day. And I From think, a New Zealand perspective, oh, yep, you go. Yeah, no, no, sorry. Going going to the New Zealand perspective, actually, I, I wanted okay. to make a really, it, it might be an unpopular opinion, but I did feel New Zealand will summer will, Let's make it clear. He batted beautifully. He batted brilliantly. He played some good shots. He, you know, he 
Manu with the ball around in the field for singles and doubles with Tom Leighton. Yeah, he, he batted beautifully. Yeah. But there's a but coming. And I think, uh, stay with me here. Because if Will Somerville did get out early, do you think Kane Williamson and Ross Taylor could have actually gone for the target? Possibly. Look, there is a possibility there. But let's because be clear. In, in the end, like my, my, what, why my argument is, and this is for the listeners as well, um, if, you have, if listeners have any different thoughts, just you know, put them in the comments below. But what, what, I, what I'm thinking is, because all these batsmen coming after Tom Latham and you know, two down, three down, they had to block most of the balls and they have to just nudge it around instead of play, playing the natural game. And you know, everyone in the New Zealand you know, side is a flamboyant player. They, are, you know, they play their shots, even you know, Henry Nichols, Tom Blundell, um, Ross Taylor, Kane Williamson. Because they had to block, I think they got in that mindset where which one's turning, which one's not turning, and you know they lost their wicket in that. But I think if they would have played their shots with the scores, with the targets still in reach, I think that would have been much more interesting. Possibly, but one thing I will say is that this wicket was tough to score on right the way through the test match. So you're asking a lot of the players to sort of flick a switch and say, I'm going to take you on successfully. You're facing three top-class spinners yep. too. So it's, it's tough. It's tough. I think, you know, when we see criticism towards New Zealand, I think it's a bit unfair at times because India found it difficult. And I don't think India were able to accelerate on that fourth day. And, too. and you're sorry, you're absolutely right. I'm not, I'm not arguing that New Zealand batted but potentially, poorly, look, but, but I think Somerville say New Zealand, say he didn't do a good job. They could have been four down at lunch, yep. five down at lunch. Yeah. You know, so I think New Zealand in their minds, when they went out to bat on that final evening and then they came out to bat on the last morning, it's the draw that was the main target in their mind. And because you're asking them to achieve a run rate that's well above uh, the test match average on a very slow, low pitch, there was not a lot of bounce in there at all. So when you want to play your shots on a pitch with very low bounce, it's, it's not easy. So, and I think, yeah, to be honest, going back to the England series, sorry, sorry to bring that up again, but New Zealand have actually shown how to play in India, and it is it is a learning for all the all the nations traveling here. Yes, there there are shortcomings in the New Zealand side as well. There are shortcomings in the Indian side as well. But from a from Tom Latham's point of view, he batted absolutely brilliantly. He knew which ball was going to turn. He knew how to negate the spin. You know, he he was batting almost outside off, um, so he already had that covered. So you know, Ashwin couldn't get him on wrapped on his pads. So it was absolutely brilliant tactics from New Zealand. So going back to England series, I did not see apart from anyone, apart from Joel, I did not see anyone doing that. And that's why those test match ended three in yes, three days. hundred percent agree with you. And I think England would have lost on this pitch. Yeah, exactly. Oh, for sure. And one thing I will in say in three is, days as well. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I will say is um, when you think of a player doing well in Asia, Overseas players, your Alistair Cooks, your Tom Latham in this case, players like Graham Smith, Joe Root. Uh, they've always, Joe Root, they've always had a solid defense. So yeah. when you can defend well against spin, if your defensive game is really solid, that's always going to send a message to the bowler to say, I might have to try something different here to try get the better of this player. Absolutely. Even, even for players as good as Ashwin, as good as uh, Jadeja Patel, 
because you've got that solid defence. And that's important, I think. There's, there's that attitude in the past from overseas players. You've got your name on a delivery. Just go for it and see how many you can get. I don't always agree with that. You don't want to just obviously shut up shop and do nothing. You've got to have an element of purpose to your game. But I thought Latham batted with great purpose. Yeah. And the good players in Asia defend well. Absolutely. Very important. Your first 20 balls in Asia, very, very important because it's tough to get started there. So 100% agree with you. And and look, I think uh, before the series, I think a month ago, I tweeted that, you know, Ashwin could easily get Tom Latham and that still could be true in the he second He does have test. a good record against him. But, have a good exactly. Record. But the way Latham batted in the test, he knew which ball to sweep. You know, he knew how hard to sweep, how hard yeah. to play the shots. Agree. It was absolutely brilliant. And that showed me that, you know, as you said, England would have lost on this pitch in three days or in four days. And then there would be arguments, arguments on social media, arguments from so-called experts or, you know, know, what kind of pitch is this? Think about that series earlier in the year, how many straight balls England got out to, you know what I mean? And this is where New Zealand, for the most part, I, I still think Ross Taylor's got an issue with it. Maybe Henry Nichols as well, that straight ball. But for the most part, New Zealand did that very well. They played the line. Yeah, um, and if the ball turned and beat the outside edge, so be it. But the number exactly. one thing you got to do is play the line. Yeah, um, and and well. the good part, the positive for New Zealand was, as you said perfectly, they played the line. And if it be, beat the outside edge, they had the confidence that the ball is not going to carry to first limb. Yeah, um, you know the soft hands, no, soft hands. hands. There was I know no, that the yeah low bounce and things like exactly. that helps. I think. One thing that played in New Zealand's favour as well was that there wasn't a lot of huge bounce off the pitch. That's really tough to play against spin. When the ball, st- you'd rather the ball stay low, yeah, rather than bounce up and yep. spit up off the pitch. That's why I felt India could have aimed for the rough a little bit more because mm-hmm. that's where the, the 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 higher bounce and the the more extravagant bounce was. But yep. it sets us up for a good Test match in Mumbai. Exactly. It's a shame that it's not a longer series, but. It's fascinating. It's great to see New Zealand again showing their status across formats. And I really hope team. Nitin Menon is the main umpire again. Um, that, you know, that was brilliant. That was the, the exchanges between him, Rahane, and Ashwin were absolutely brilliant. Ashwin yes. was doing no wrong. Um, Nitin Menon was doing nothing wrong. I think, he, I mean, he had a couple of, you know, here, decisions here and there, which, are, and I truly believe it was a one off because Nitin Menon is a brilliant umpire. Um, Nathan Menon, as, as his umpiring duty, did no wrong by pulling up Ashwin saying, you know, I can't see if you come in between, which was correct as of well. Of course, that's true. Um, so There was a bit of that happening in the match. The, exactly. Even with that review of, um, was it Will Young on the fourth yes. evening where he they timed out? And, was, and it, it, good, to be good, honest, good it, looked, it looked out to the naked eye. Um, spin, to, looked, spin looked the issue to the naked eye, but uh, yeah, you can understand why. Staying understand low why. again, yeah. Can understand why the umpire gave it. I mean, even the New Zealanders on the field were unsure. Yeah. So exactly. when they say, "Oh, terrible decision by the umpire," then why didn't he review it straight away? Exactly. Yeah, they and, were unsure. It was close. Yeah. yeah. And you know what a champion Ashwin is. He went past Harbhajan Singh. Yes. I think that just needs to be said. That absolutely one of you know probably the greatest off spinner India has ever seen. Um, mm. Yeah. And. The, the the tactics and the strategies that he just comes up with, you know, going... He's just a smart cricket brain. Exactly. And he does everything with perfection. He executes all his tactics, all his tactics with perfection. Absolutely. There's no... His action doesn't change. His 
you know, his line and length doesn't change. It's, it's just what he does brilliant. with his, you know, he, he changes it up, goes the one exactly. with the horizontal seam to sneak through. Exactly. Beautiful skill, beautiful skill. Um, but having said that, I'll close this India-New Zealand topic before the second te- test match about the first one is, yes, all the positives about New Zealand, how good they played, but I still feel India should have won this. Um, I think so too. India disappointed big time. Um, they, you know, on this pitch, they shouldn't have let New Zealand off the hook for a, on the last day. I think for a spinner, you like bounce, and there wasn't a lot there. So that's a challenge, but I, I agree with you. You should have won. I want to give a shout-out to Shreyas Iyer as well. Brilliant yeah. debut. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. Um, oh, well, another can of wounds we can open is who, <laughs> who's left out for Coley in the next test. I think I think Rahane's done a wonderful job, but he's been given a long enough rope. Yeah, I, I, think think, it, I, don't think, I think it's his time. I don't think it'd be fair to drop Iyer and, and leave a Rahane there. I just, it'd be harsh. I think yep. he's had his chances. Try some new players in there. Um, you've got to know that number five position for South Africa. So, yeah. But it's not just, look, it's going to be very difficult if they send Shreyas Iyer. That's another decision they've got to make. Do you send Shreyas Iyer after two tests to South Africa? Um, yeah. Or do you go Look, I think it's, it's a difficult choice, but I think as much as I love Rahane um, as, as, a, as a cricketer, it, it, he has had a few lean years now. It's been yes. almost two years, three years. He has the potential to come back. I fully believe that given a chance again, he has to go back to domestic cricket and he can make a comeback again. But for now, I think his time is up. I think he should make way for someone else. Yeah, yeah. And that's a fair statement. It's a fair statement. Uh, quickly before we move on, a shout out to Tim Salvi. The guy averages like 23, 24 in Asia. Unbelievable performance in this test match. He and Kyle Jamison. Jamison's got the potential this was his first test in asia and i thought he for the most part bowled beautifully on a pitch that didn't have a lot of bounce in it it's a sort of surface where people would say i don't know how jamison would go on this but he was the one extracting great bounce and yeah he was superb and i think that really helped him and and you know you people said before the test oh you know there's no bounce in the pitch but the fact that there was no bounce meant the batsman had to keep guessing how much it would bounce. That was true, but he was also he was able to extract so much bounce. Yep. There was a few times where Blundell was taking the ball chest yeah. high, head high. Yep. This is outstanding, and he's such a good bowler. He has the potential to be a true fast bowling great. That's how good he yep. is. I genuinely believe that. Um, yeah, the quickest New Zealander at a 50 wickets. Tim Southie's skill, yep. how he uses the crease. I mean, wider, comes sorry, closer. Sorry, th- 30, 35 of those wickets are against India for Jameson, so... Yeah. <laughs> He loves India, doesn't he? <laughs> and Southie does as well. Yeah. But Southie's performances in Asia is just so good because he's not quick, but he's, he's very smart with what he does with the ball. And that's proof that you don't have to be overly quick to be successful. You've just got to be smart and have the skill. So yeah. Credit to those two bowlers. Um, another test match uh, finished. It's finished today. It's very, very disappointing. I felt second innings. I thought the game was set up after the first innings to be quite interesting. But as the Bangladesh coach said, uh, Russell Domingo, he said that Bangladesh, they don't have the competition and intensity for long periods. And that's from a domestic uh, perspective. This is what I've been saying for quite some time. I don't know if they're set up domestically to do well in test cricket. They're good for a short period of time, but they can't sustain it. Um, And Pakistan... Uh, too good. 
Yeah, they've got um, they've got players in there that can sustain the performances for a longer period of time. And Shaheen Shah Afridi, brilliant in the second five, innings. Huh? Yep. After Hassan Ali took five in the first, and then Abid Ali, uh, player of the match with a century, and then a ninety. Um, what were your thoughts on this? Look, I think Bangladesh did well in the first innings to come back. Um, yeah, you know, at at one stage they were four for fifty, I think, and um, Mushfiqur Rahim and Litton Das in the middle order did the. They played beautifully. The, Happy, the for Litton das. Happy for exactly. Litton Das, by the way, he played very well. Yep, and again, Mushfiqur Rahim doing the job, you know, for his side again. Yeah, um, they, Bangladesh fell asleep in the second innings. They really exactly, did. exactly. They needed then, a big. They they did not even need a big score. They needed two fifty. You know what I mean? Two fifty to two eighty. Yeah, that would exactly. have been handy. Exactly. Um, yeah, I think of the, that top order is a concern. Like, they really struggled. They were four down for nothing both times. Safe Hassan, I think it was, who got out twice to the short ball. That's even on a slow pitch. So they've got to look at those aspects of the game. I know Atar Ali Khan was talking on commentary about some plays domestically who need to get a look in. Yep. Um, because he said there's a shortage of batsmen there. And you can't be four for 30, four for 40 every time. You're going to be in big trouble. A shout out to Tajul Islam. I think what did he take he seven, seven wickets in the first? Yeah, seven for he bowled beautifully. The way Bangladesh came back on day three, they took ten for one hundred and forty or something. And yep, they did. All of a sudden, you know, they were in front, and they could set up something interesting in the final innings. But just again, a disappointing performance when it really mattered. Yep, and I know good. Good to see Pakistan doing Pakistan things again. You know, being none for one forty-six, getting all out for two, two eighty-six, and then winning the Test match after yeah. conceding the first innings lead. So it's typical Pakistan. Yeah, there was a bit of uh, there was a bit of unpredictability about yep. Pakistan, and this wasn't there. So, um, but in the end, I felt the result wasn't too unpredictable. Yeah, yeah. Uh, another Test match today. I think Sri Lanka had a bit of a a, a collapse as well. Um. They were like none for 106 and then all out for 204. Um, so those teams, they've got to really work on reducing the number of collapses that they have and how often they do it. But um, whether looking to play sport, sport there in Gaul. One thing that I want to touch on um, is the wonderful BBL, WBBL final that we had over the weekend. Um, records broken everywhere. Um, record crowd. Record viewership over five hundred and thirty-five thousand, um, and also record viewership across the season. So that tells me that the demand is well and truly there for for the women's game, and the women's game is going strength to strength. Hopefully, the BCCI is watching, and they can start really looking at a women's IPL. I really hope so too. I really hope so too. I think it's it's high time. It's it's long due now. Women's IPL should have started two years back. Um, seeing the success of the women's big bash and you know even the Kia Super League in England, women's hundred, it's high time there's a women's IPL because time and time again, even the women's cricketers have said, you know, Jamima Rodriguez, you know, um, Hamanpreet Kaur, everyone has said that when they go when they go to these countries and when they play these tournaments in Australia and England, it does such a, it, it does a world of good for their confidence, for their game. When they exchange ideas with other cricketers, someone like Sophie Dewine, someone like, oh, yeah. um, you know, these cricketers, Beth Mooney, they just exchange ideas and just 
talk about cricket and talk about skills and talk about technique and they bring all that back to the domestic circuit and then they exchange these ideas with other cricketers so imagine what 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 will happen if these cricketers are are in india and i don't think there's lack of talent there is talent absolutely there is it's just lack of willingness from the bcci to do anything about it for for two three good four years now i think yeah going forward and having said all this you never know tomorrow absolutely tomorrow it could happen that bcci would come out and say oh we are starting 2022 here's the women's ipl <laughs> um that could very well happen with the bcci we all know that but as it stands now as it stands at the time of recording there's no women's ipl and it still hurts and it and it's still yeah no, i don't know if there's any plans like in place to to make it happen either like you don't hear about it and that's something they got to look at because as i said the demand is there and the talent is there um and if you can nurture that and and provide a platform for these players to showcase their skills even more and get them playing more often then the women's game is going to go from strength to strength um harman preet core player of the tournament in the wbbl she Absolutely. had a magnificent tournament man Absolutely. like great strike great great performances we felt that her performances were dipping over the last couple of years in t20 cricket but then to come out and produce this and it's just fantastic. just as the women's world cup is on the horizon absolutely yeah brilliant. yeah yeah absolutely that's that's big plus um yeah i mean sorry did i say in t20 cricket i mean in odi cricket her yeah. form has been waning but for her to produce that in this tournament is very very good um but the scorchers great team beth mooney i think i reckon the best australian batter you know you look at Elise Perry and Elisa Healy, brilliant for Beth Mooney, unsung hero. This doesn't stop. So consistent, and her with Sophie Devine, Marizan Cup there at the Scorchers, wonderful team. I think, I think Great I'm, win. I'm, I'm really in awe of Sophie Devine more than anyone else because I was watching the game and um, a striker's leg spinner. Um, I think Jane, Welling- Amanda Jane Wellington. Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, Wellington. Uh, she was bowling and. Beth Mooney just sorry not Beth Mooney Sophie Devine just cut everything pretty much she pierced that offside field literally every ball yeah and and you know it was a packed out offside field and the way she's developed the game over the last few years and i think she's one of the greats of the game um even even like my father who um is starting to actually watch a bit more women's cricket now too He's saying this Sophie Devine, what a player she is. And I'm like, yeah, this, this, she's been fantastic for many years. And some really, really wonderful cricketers coming through as well. So it's really good. Really good. Certainly. Nash, another big week of cricket coming ahead. Test cricket, Big Bash. The men's Big Bash actually starts Sunday. So we'll, we'll touch on that next week. Uh, just it's all happening. And then the Ashes uh, next week as well. Um, next Wednesday, I think. So yes. It's so we'll happening. have we'll have one more one more recording before one the ashes. More, one more recording before the ashes, and we'll know more about what the eleven will be and and yeah. what's going to happen in the series kind of thing. So there's not a lot being spoken about England at the moment. A lot of the focus is what happening in Australian circles. So England might not mind that, but um, now should be interesting. Thanks, Nash. Thanks to all our listeners. We'll see you guys next week. Bye.